Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. I, I have, uh, I, I always do this, I do this every time, follow-up announcements. So not that our announcement folks don't do a wonderful job, but I just wanted to, you know, follow up. So a couple things. One is, uh, as was previously mentioned, uh, we had a, uh, a reduced worship team this morning, and some of us are a little weary. The annual youth conference anthem, uh, youth conference was in Vancouver Vineyard over the weekend, and uh, I, I just wanted to say uh, how, I, I, I can brag a little bit, I guess, how incredibly proud I am of Tucker and Zoe and Mercy and Rennie and our worship team and everybody that worked to put that on. It was a fantastic event, and these guys did a great, great job. So uh, if you weren't there for any of that because you're not a youth, too bad for you. But it was a lot of fun. Um, second thing I want to say is this morning, just follow up uh, what Cindy said, is yeah, we're going to try to, the car wash will be right in the upper lot by the office. There's a nice little turnaround there. We have a big sign, free car wash. Uh, just about an 11.15 is a target to start, maybe an hour. Just a quick little, you know, shot in the arm. Just to, to share the love of God with our community. Just let them know that we're here and we love them. And then with that also, I think uh, the last part of that, Christ the King should be finishing up service. So some of their folks will probably be driving off and we can wash their cars and just thank them as well. So if anybody can stay, you know, we'd love to have you join us for just a, an hour or so to do that. And then the last thing I wanted to say is this. Two weeks from today, and I'll send a note out about this later, but on August 11th, CTK is putting new carpeting in their sanctuary and the lobby and foyer area and asked if we could stick around after church for about an hour and help them just move some furniture. So anybody that's available on August 11th for an hour after that, uh, I would love to be able to help them. We are so blessed and so thankful for the hospitality that those folks uh, show to us. So anything we can do to to help them, I want to do that. So... With that, uh, so if you have not been with us, we are in a, uh, I don't know how to describe this, uh, long, I guess, study in the Gospel of Luke. So we've been in the Gospel of Luke for a while. We're at chapter 8 today, and we'll be continuing on throughout the Gospel of Luke, so we could be here for, forever. But uh, we're going to begin chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. Uh, and I want to start by saying this, just a little bit of a cultural observation. We, we live in a consumer culture. And, you know, as a follower of Christ, I suppose there's a part of me that doesn't like that. But I'm going to confess and say there's actually another part of me that really does like that. Um, You know, do I want a burger or a burrito? Do I want Chinese chicken or Moroccan lamb? Do I want a pizza or pasta? Uh, the, the reality is I can have any one of those things within about five minutes of my house. You know what I mean? And that, there, there's a certain 
uh, kind of appeal to that. And it doesn't end with food. It, it, it kind of transcends everything, you know. Uh, clothing, you know. The, 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 Nike makes like four million styles of sneakers every year. And, and you have to have the newest ones. I look and I go, man, I got last year's Nikes on. That's not going to cut it. I need to go get the new Nikes. And let's not even talk about electronics, okay? Um, I waited in line a couple years ago when the new iPhone came out, get the new iPhone. But now I feel like it's kind of dated, I might need to get the new one. The new one has better optics and a newer camera. And there's just this thing that, uh, and, and let's be honest, I mean, it is, it is a poll, but it's kind of fun, isn't it? It's kind of fun. I, 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 I like that. Uh, I, I'll, you know, I'll just go, go all the way out. True confessions this morning. You know what I love? I, I love Amazon Prime. I, 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 I just, it, it's amazing to me that I can, I can have anything I want tomorrow. And, and here's the thing. I'm a reader. I, I love to read. And so I see a book or someone recommends a book and I buy it. And then the next thing I know, I have like six books. And Donna's going, hey, why are you buying? Can you read all those books? And I go, well, eventually I'll get to them. But there's always a stack waiting there, there's, because, because I can get them so fast. I love that. Uh, so... The, the reality is our culture today as Americans, I think, is, is very consumeristic. We're, we are consumers, and, and it's, it's, it's just, it spreads throughout our culture, and it's very prevalent, and we all, uh, if we're honest, I think, participate in that process. But here's the danger. The danger is that when we begin to be sort of shaped and formed by culture and we fall into those routines without really realizing, it becomes harder and harder to stay in tune with God. We, we, I find we get drawn away into those other things and away from our time with him and, and even just the awareness of his presence. I, I, we were talking last night, at, I spoke to the, the kids at Anthem just about hearing God's voice and we, we spent some time just listening and, and, and the kids getting words and praying and it gets harder and harder to hear God's voice and to, to really be a tuned in to what he's saying and doing when we're so focused on other things. And, and it's challenging because the reality is we don't realize that's happening. You know, we're getting kind of pulled away slowly, and we don't realize that we're getting pulled away. You know, I, I found this to be true. Uh, the devil is very sneaky. He doesn't show up on your doorstep and say, okay, now I'm going to present some lies to you. That would be, I suppose, beneficial in some regard. But what he does is he works very subtly and slowly, and he just draws our hearts away from God. He takes us in a direction that, you know, is moving us away from God and focus more on other things in life. And that presents a challenge. And so our passage today, and I want to say this, it's not that, that, that dynamic, that reality is not unique to us. I think it's kind of on steroids in our culture right now. But I think throughout history, throughout culture, uh, you know, th that's just a reality. I, I have been 
uh, in, I work a lot in Central America. I've been in some, some very, uh, you know, what we call developing countries with people that have way less than us. And I found, especially among young people there, they're, they're just as focused on getting the newest and latest things as we are. And so I really think that transcends culture. And even in the first century, uh, I think the people that, you know, were in and around the life uh, of, of Israel during Jesus' time suffered from that same thing to a degree. I don't, don't suppose they were waiting in line for the next iPhone. But there was that consumeristic mindset, and that's what we're going to look at today. Jesus spoke into that. And one of the ways that he spoke into that is he gave us stories. And these little stories we call parables are... are uh, Ways that he would describe the realities of life and the kingdom of God and sort of the differences between those two things. And this is, this is maybe how life is, but this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so I want to look at that this morning. And, and our, our title today, and it's in the form of a question because I like Jeopardy, is Are You Ready to Receive? Anybody else watch Jeopardy? God, that's my favorite show on TV. I watch, now I love, we have Netflix and I can watch reruns of Jeopardy on Netflix. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, so uh, are you ready to receive? This is, it's a longer passage today, 15 verses. We're covering 15 old verses. Let's, uh, let's take a quick second and, and pray over that and then we will read the passage together. Lord, just uh, open our hearts to receive today. Pray that your word would be like spring rain. It would just water our spirits, our souls, our hearts, our minds. And that you, Lord God, would, would draw our hearts and our minds back towards you and away from some of the things that we're distracted by in this life. In your name we pray, amen. All right, Luke chapter eight, go ahead. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. We'll stop there for a minute and just kind of set the context. Uh, so what you can see here is there's a community beginning to form around Jesus. And I, I find that to be... Um, Profound, really, because typically when we read the scripture, we, we look at the book of Acts and we say that's, the, you know, we call that the early church and that's sort of the first church. But the reality is this is the first church. The very presence of Jesus draws people together and it draws diverse people together. And so there's this community beginning to form around him almost naturally. So originally there was the 12 disciples who he called to come and be with him. But now there's a, a larger group of people, a consistent group of people that have joined that uh, of their own accord. They, they've made the decision to follow him. Here Luke mentions several ladies who are in that group, Mary Magdalene, whom seven demons had come out from. That is an amazing transformation. All right? Uh, I don't know the nature of the demonic oppression that she was under, but I guarantee you it wasn't fun. And in the presence of Jesus, she's freed from that bondage and freed from that oppression, and so now she wants to be a part of what Jesus is doing. It's a remarkable transformation. And anybody that's ever been through a process like that or known anybody that's been through a process realizes how much you want to be close to Jesus after something like that happens in your life. 
It's interesting to me, this other woman, Joanna, is married to a guy who works for Herod. Again, you talk about diversity. This is a guy who, or a woman whose husband works for the opposition, and she is now connected to Jesus. I would love to know how she got connected to Jesus. I'd like to know what her backstory is. The third woman there, Susanna, we're not told anything about her. What we are told about the group is that out of their own means and, and resources, they were helping to support Jesus. Again, a powerful statement because I, I, I would just look culturally at the reality of uh, people's lives and these women's lives, and you you got to estimate they probably didn't have a whole lot, but what they did have, they contributed, uh, they were committed in, in their resources as well as their time towards following after Jesus uh, and doing what he's doing. So now he's, he's going around from place to place. He's teaching on the kingdom of God. He's ministering to people, and uh, large crowds are beginning to follow him. So there's always this dynamic where... There's this committed core that's close to Jesus, and then there's this bigger crowd that's just kind of checking it out. And I think what happens is people go from the check it out phase uh, to into the core phase along the way. Now, uh, I want to look at the, the parable. We call this the parable of the sower. Uh, if, you, if you read your Bible, it probably has a little uh, subtext at the top of this parable of the sower. That's not actually in the scripture that was added later for our convenience. But really, it's the parable of the soils because more than the sower, it describes uh, different conditions of soil and, and how those conditions are uh, either more or less receptive to the kingdom of God. So let's go ahead and read that together. While a large crowd was gathering, people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and with it, with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. <clears throat> Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, and when they hear it, but they, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So um, the picture of the soils and the preparedness of the soils is really a metaphor for the preparedness of our hearts to receive from God. And the reality is that different people respond differently. Uh, the seed is the word, and the seed is spread far and wide. Uh, some of you know, 
in my previous life, uh, before I was in ministry, I was a gardener, and I sowed a lot of seed. We would plant lawns and plant seeds, and we used something called a broadcast spreader, and a broadcast spreader is a little bag, and you wear that over your shoulder, and then there's a crank with a wheel at the bottom, and it spins, and the seed just sort of goes out, and so you don't have a ton of control over where the seed goes, right? So I understand this parable very clearly, because when I would do that, you want the seed to go on the, on the lawn, but some of it will go on the sidewalk. And that's okay. You just clean that off later. What goes in the lawn will grow. Seed goes out. It doesn't all go uh, where it's supposed to go. It doesn't all take root and grow. Uh, A percentage of it does. I I would hope for a better percentage than they got. Uh, He got one quarter. I would hope for more than that. But the reality is that uh, the seed sprouting, taking root and bearing fruit is contingent upon the condition of the soil. That, that's really what it's contingent upon. It has nothing to do with the seed. And I think the metaphor holds because the word of God is the word of God and it goes out and people hear it and there's a lot of ways you receive it and maybe a friend shares it with you. Maybe you come to church and hear it. Maybe you read about it. It's, it's just out there. The seed's there. But the condition of your heart is really the determining factor over what's going to happen when you hear that, that word. I also want to put a little twist on this. Most often when we hear this text, it's taught talking specifically and, and uniquely about salvation, about those that are in and those that are out. And so most of us here are feeling pretty good right now because we're saying, I'm the good soil. I'm here, right? But I, I think, in my estimation, there, there may be more to this than that. Certainly that is an application But I think there's something deeper at play here. And and the truth is this, that we don't respond to Jesus just once in our life. We respond to Jesus every day of our life. And every day we make another decision to say yes or no. Every day we make another decision to respond, am I going to go this direction and do what Jesus is calling me to do and walk in his presence and in his light, or am I not going to do that? And so I would say this, you know, if you want to kind of walk the metaphor out, we could be good soil one day and bad soil the next. We'd be good soil one day and thorny or rocky or shallow the next. So I want to take a minute and look at the different categories. First category here it says is the seed that was thrown along the path. It's trampled or eaten by birds. It doesn't get into the soil. It doesn't get down in. And so it's, it's shallow. And I understand that because I've known a lot of people who have come to Christ in a, in a moment of, you know, a, kind of a, at an altar call or in a kind of an emotional moment. And they said, yes, yes, I want this. It sounds good. I'm, I'm in. And they go forward, whatever they pray. But before very long, and it sometimes doesn't take very long at all, they realize that this isn't everything they thought it was going to be. Jesus isn't necessarily meeting all of my expectations. I I thought everything was going to change. The original audience who heard Jesus speak here, they believed that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government, restore Israel to its natural place, and that they would be free to worship God and everything would be hunky-dory. And I think some of us believe sometimes that Jesus is going to solve all my problems. He's going to help me make more money. Uh, he, he's going to take my depression away. And he's going to make my husband a nicer person. 
and that doesn't happen. And we get disillusioned. And the, why are you laughing at that? Did you think that your husband would? Kevin, do you have something to say? Oh my, oh my. <coughs> so what happens in those situations as we begin to drift and we lose connectivity with God? The second uh, category of seed landed on rocky soil. <coughs> and on rocky soil it grew. But again, if you've done any gardening, you realize that with rocky soil, there's no water retention. The water passes right through. So what happens is the seed dries up pretty quickly. It grows quick, but then it dries up equally as quickly, and it's not there. We've talked about this before, but I think there is a contingency of folks today in the church who uh, are kind of always looking for the next big thing. Uh, we, we used to, I, I used to refer to them very uh, affectionately as conference junkies. They kind of go from event to event to event, looking for the next emotional high. That's where I live. I want to be in that place where it's just goosebumps and Holy Ghost giggles all the time. But life doesn't work that way. I mean, sometimes it does, and I love it. Look, I love a mountaintop experience as well as, as much as the next guy. I love Holy Ghost giggles. I love all of that. Yay and amen when, when God is alive and real and up close and personal. But the truth is that that's not the way it works every day all the time. Sometimes life is good and full and sometimes it's not. A lot of life is lived in a place other than that. And sometimes, maybe I'm the only one, Sometimes life is kind of boring. It's kind of dull. It's kind of normal. It's kind of routine. It's kind of, I got to get up and go to work again today. That's not necessarily bad or terrible. It's not a crisis. It's just what it is. And if I'm focused on going from experience to experience and, and having my next mountaintop and my next you know, emotional high with Jesus, I'm, I'm going to be disappointed along the way. I, I just, I don't, I don't think anybody here is necessarily in that category, but I'm just going to encourage you, don't allow yourselves to do that. Don't do it. I, I want to say this. Jesus is real when we're on the mountaintop. Jesus is real when we're flying high and life is great. And Jesus is equally real when everything is going wrong, when life is hard, when life is sideways, when you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And here's the thing. Jesus is also real when life's just kind of, you know, when life's just life. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just life. And Jesus is real then too. Some of the seed fell among thorns or weeds and they grew up and they choked it out. And this is where what I talked about on the front really comes into play, the whole consumeristic culture we live in. There's a lot of stuff out there, you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff that will draw us away from God. And some, some stuff is really, really bad. 
here's what I think. I believe most of us are mature enough to know that. And I think for most of us, it's not the really, really bad stuff that we need to be concerned about. We know that's bad and we know we need to stay away from that. Frankly, I think it's the other stuff that we need to worry more about. It's, it's, it's the stuff that's not necessarily really, really bad in and of itself. It's the stuff that can just be kind of distracting at times. A little too much technology, a little too much TV, a little too much whatever it is that might draw your attention away from what God wants to speak into your heart on that given day. That stuff, frankly, is like weeds. You ever notice, you, you, know, you know what drives me crazy? Weeds grow faster than the lawn. Have you noticed that? The weeds pop up before the lawn grows. I hate that. And that stuff is like weeds. It grows faster than the word of God. It, it will present itself to you in such a way and in such a time frame as to, to really pull you away from God without you even really realizing that's happened. Then there's this fourth category of seed. And you can go ahead and click one more slide if you would, please. Good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. They hear the word, they retain it, and this is probably the key phrase in the passage, and by persevering, produce a crop. Jesus says the good soil is defined by those that have a noble and good heart. Here's a little Greek for you. The, the word good there is kalos, and it means beautiful, but it's, it's beautiful on the inside. It presents itself as beautiful, but what's, what's on the outside is a result of what's on the inside. And I don't know, probably you have. I've known people that are like that. They just radiate the presence of God, and they're beautiful. And they're beautiful because of what's inside of them. And that's what he's talking about here. The second word, noble, is agathos, and it means inherently or intrinsically good. It's unpolluted, uncorrupted. And when we come to Christ, that's what happens. Our hearts become our hearts become agathos. They become noble. They're unpolluted and uncorrupted. And, and then over the course of time, if we don't persevere, we don't retain the word of God, we get drawn away. Those things uh, cause our heart to become uh, tainted or polluted or distracted and pulled away from God. The good soil has not allowed the things of the world or unmet expectations or emotions uh, to distract it and pull it away from, from God. Um, it recognizes this, that not everything is going to happen when we think it's going to happen. Not everything that we think is going to happen might ever happen. Some days won't be better than the previous days. Some days might be worse than the previous days. We might go through hard times. We might go through times that are challenging or times that we don't really understand. But the goal is to retain the word, to persevere, to believe that God is true and right and real, even in those times. Um, we want to stay in tune with who he is and walk out our life with him. If you guys want to come back up, or who's, oh, it's just you, or Merce, and Cindy. Um, there's a lot of external factors in life. Um, 
There's a lot of things that can distract us along the way. And so, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite uh, books is uh, called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And it really is just about walking life out with God over the long haul. That's my encouragement to us today, and I believe the word that uh, comes through this parable this morning is to learn to just uh, trust God and walk life out with Him regardless of circumstances surrounding us on any given day, but to know that He's there and He's real and He's with us all the time. So why don't we stand? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org forward slash give.